Hey, and welcome in to the Bottom Shelf Leadership Podcast. I am Heath, Lindsey Lane's East Campus Pastor, joined today. Our, our, our extra special guest we have today is Alan Ostrisky, because uh, he wasn't with us last month. Sure. Glad to have him back. Pastor of our North Campus. And Andy John King is here as well, our lead, camp, uh, lead pastor and teaching pastor here at the main campus. And so, uh, had a good week this week, guys? We have. Um, hey, uh, Heath, are you recording right now? Yeah, so... We had a really great intro uh, that probably would have gotten us all fired, um, or at least our wives ticked out. I think it would have um, also increased our viewership, truthfully. Yeah. It would have increased our viewership, and the <laughs> Lord sovereignly stepped into my mindset and did not allow me to hit the record button. And so, well, I'm just glad so you about, figured out we're not we haven't been recording <laughs> within the first couple of minutes. Otherwise, it would have been just a good conversation, but but nothing. If we had gotten table. much further, I would have just let it run, and then I would have left, and I would have blamed it on <laughs> I, Andrew. I can't uh, believe sorry, that man, Heath like is blaming the sovereignty of God yeah. for him not pushing yeah, a button. Yeah, I mean um, that is that is the ultimate Jesus duke right there. Pastor yeah, move one on one. That's what it is, man. It, it was Lord it was must God, be man. keeping us from something. <laughs> <laughs> Won't he do it? Yeah, that's it. So uh, we are we are excited to be back together. We did miss Alan last week, uh, but we man we have a very very special guest here with us today, Andy John. Why don't you introduce us to this this brand new voice, this uh, uh-huh. this strange voice in the room today? Yes, a, a visitor from foreign lands. No, this this uh, guest parts today. Unknown. <laughs> yeah. Remember that from WWF back in the day. Parts unknown. From parts unknown. What a weird intro. Our, uh, <laughs> Our guest today needs no introduction uh, within the Lindsey Lane family, Brother Dusty McLemore, who now serves as our senior pastor emeritus of Lindsey Lane Baptist Church in Athens, Alabama. He was born and raised in the hometown of Athens and attended Tanner High School and Calhoun Community College. Brother Dusty was saved on October the 30th, 1979. He then attended and served his home church at Round Island Baptist Church in many capacities, including as a deacon and Sunday school teacher. He was called into ministry in September of 1991. He then enrolled in the Heritage Bible College where he received his bachelor's bachelor's degree in religion and was called to pastor at Lindsay Lane Baptist Church in April of 1992 as their bivocational pastor. Beginning with a total membership of 32 people, the church has experienced phenomenal growth with a membership that now exceeds 2,500 members. In 2001, Pastor Dusty was the recipient of the Distinguished Troy Morrison Leadership Award, which recognizes a state top leader among churches. He has served on the Board of Regents for Mobile University. And Pastor Dusty is a frequent speaker at revivals and one-day conferences as his heartbeat is preaching God's Word and serving the local church. Uh, Brother Dusty now currently serves as an ambassador of pastor relations for the North American Mission Board. He has been married to his wife, Patsy, for 41 years. Oh, it's updated now. 49. 49 years. <laughs> yeah. How old is this? <laughs> I guess uh, that would be eight years. <laughs> yeah. You want to edit 49. Yeah. Yeah. All right, I'll go back to that. You, you making a note there? Yeah, just go back to talk about, mention the whole thing about Patsy again. Okay. Are we recording? Yeah. I'm joking. That was a joke. Shut up. <laughs> All right. You ready? Yeah. All right. Pastor Dusty and his wife, Patsy, have been married for 49 years. They have two daughters. Haley is married to Chuck Robinson, and they have four children, Chase, Luke, Claire, and Tide. Their other daughter, Joe Dare, is married to Heath Kahn, and they have three children, Lincoln, Dusty, Joe, and Scout. And then uh, Brother Dusty also has one great-grandchild, uh, Ivy Jane, right? Right. And so uh, to um, to uh, Chase and Alyssa, Ivy Jane is their daughter. And so um, that's a that's the, that's a good as resume as we've had so far on here. And uh, brother Dusty, man, let me just start by saying every guy around this table loves you very dearly and your family. Amen. And uh, we we look forward to this conversation. And you know, you've poured into a great deal to to us, and uh, we're thankful for Lindsay Lane Baptist Church and thankful for you. So. Welcome to our professional podcast here. <laughs> and I don't know if you're proud of this yeah. this moment as you look back to uh, 29 I'm, I'm, years I invested in I'm praying about it. But, uh, yeah, that's right. No, anyway, I'm honored to be here. I really am. I really appreciate what you guys are doing. You know, you guys have been a team now since uh, we've come together, and I appreciate your leadership. And I'm just uh, honored to be a part of what you're doing and just continue to see the vision that God's given all of us and see it come to fruition. Yeah. And so we're blessed. All of us are blessed around the table. And this church is greatly blessed. So we give God all the glory and praise. And so, again, I'm just uh, 
I'm enjoying retirement right now. I really am. I, I didn't know how I was going to face retirement, but I, I'm a satisfied customer. I really <laughs> am. I'm staying you, busy. I'm in ministry, yeah. but I, you know, I get to do ministry still. But it's not having the schedule every week, the meetings, uh, counseling, all that stuff. It's just awesome. So you've been working hard today, right? I really no, have. I, yeah, I took my grandson fishing today. So <laughs> Monday, can you believe that? On a Monday, on a Monday, I went fishing. But anyway, it is. It's been great to spend time with my yeah. family, especially my grandchildren, and playing some golf. And uh, doing some ministry in between. So That's cool. I'm enjoying it. I think it's cool that we're in we're in the office where really it all started for me and you. After our six interviews or whatever it was, <laughs> yeah. so for those that don't know, Andy John and I were hired on at the same time. We both had put in for the student pastor position, and God gave Brother Dusty a, a, a vision, Pastor Dusty, a vision yeah. of, of hiring both of us. And so you came on, high school, college, young singles. I came on as junior high and children's. And, you know, in this office, sitting right across, right right on this side of the office here, and he's explaining to us the what God has led him to. And, uh, man, it is. It's a it's a pretty cool legacy to be a part of, for sure. Well, that, that was one of those big decisions. It was a God thing. It really was. We just prayed through that, the committee, mm-hmm. our search team, and I, and uh, we were at a stalemate between you two. You know, we had several resumes, but you two were at the top. And there was kind of a stalemate there, and I didn't know it was so hard because we had people pro and con, you know, that kind of thing. And so went home and prayed, and I called Bradley and asked about the finances. Because uh, <laughs> somebody brought up, let's just hire both of them. I said, there's no way we're going to do that. <laughs> and so because of financial reasons. And so anyway, I went home and prayed about it, and God gave me a piece. So I called Bradley and said, is there any way we could work because then the budget was tight back then. Any way we could work this in? He said, I don't know, Pastor. said, I, it would be a God thing. That's, that's all I needed to hear. So it was a God thing. Yeah. And so we hired both of you guys and one of the best decisions we ever made here at Lindsay Lane. Well, it was not a big decision for, for me. Uh, <laughs> yeah. People have asked before, like, hey, what led you? Why did you, how did you feel like God was leading you to Lindsay Lane? And I was like, well, you see, they were looking for a student pastor and I was looking for a student pastor position and I was about to get married and I needed to provide for my family. And so I put in a resume and they called back, you know, not everything is a sign, you know, in the clouds or anything, but, uh, uh, we are, we're really thankful for it. This is the only church that my family has ever known the Lindsay Lane church family. Of course, now we planted, but, um, this is only only church my family's ever known. Uh, and so you hired a 21 year old and my wife was 19 three months older than the oldest student we had in our student ministry. And so looking back on it, man, you know, wow, it was incredible, but man, God is, God has been gracious. He's been good. So I I was on the outside, you know, um, I was serving at Salem Springs, I think whenever you guys were hired here. And um, I just always assumed it was because nobody on the list like could even be a youth student pastor. So they had to hire both of you to just pull off one job. (laughs) That's the way I always proceeded from the outside. It, it, I mean, is that you know that <laughs> yeah, you guys right. were, you know, that we, is what I perceived. We may have been at the top of the list, but I think it's eventually Possibly. because the Lord cut down the top of the list to make a new <laughs> top of the list. <laughs> so there were some guys that could have pulled off by yeah. themselves at the top. I'll just say Alan and I both were in a good place to trust the Lord when we began. <laughs> I think we 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 made a solid top five. Yeah, yeah, but I think there was some like pastoral positions. I think one guy like had cancer or something like that. some of the the story. But yeah, yeah. Well, the Lord knows what He's doing. Yeah. He orders our steps. That's for us. <laughs> sure does. Sure. Well, I've, I mean, it's it, clearly the Lord was in it. If Brother Bradley. Signed off on that. Now that I'm on the inside, I know how tight he runs. Like he 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 keeps a watch on everything. And so if y'all sold him on it, the Lord was in it for sure. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, but man, talking about you know just that. I mean, one of the things even before I came to Lindsay and got to be part of the family here, like it was clear from the outside, brother Dusty, that this church has has been willing to take a chance on young leaders, Hmm. and so. From, from sitting in the seat that you did here for 29 years, like how did you, first off, how did you, how did, how did you come to a place where you were willing to trust young leaders and, and what is the importance of that as a pastor but also as leaders 
in our in, in in the world around the church. You know, how important is it to invest and to trust young leaders? Well, that's a good question. You know, I think one of the things about leadership is uh, developing other leaders. You know, there's people always following. Yeah. And so you have to look at the. You know people's qualifications, of course, but you know the, the the characteristics, all those things. But you know you 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 know there's coming a time where your day's going to end. Yeah. Any leader, and so I think a good leader looks as a vision, looks you know see what's coming up and all of that, see where you're going, of course, and then who's coming behind you, yeah. and investing in those leaders. And so we've been blessed to have good young leaders come yeah. up behind. And so I, I think you have to really start looking for that uh, at a certain time. For me, I think it was about, I don't know, I don't know how many years, but it was several years, uh, especially with these two guys. I saw their potential because yeah. they proved themselves many times over. And so, you know, you have to have a plan and a vision for the church, not just while you're in it, but later on. And so these yeah. guys were two of our young leaders that I think we helped develop. And uh, so, in turn, you guys are going to have to be thinking about that one day because you're still very young. But you know, you got to always be thinking ahead and uh, and looking for people with qualifications, characteristics, you know, their their leadership abilities, and all of those things. And I think God gives you a, a piece about uh, and a sense of discernment, uh, people that you contact and come in contact with, that really, you know, hey, they they just ring a bell with you. And especially these two guys, Alan and Andy John, I, I didn't know Heath then. I knew of you, but I didn't know you. But uh, these two guys, they, they just, I knew they were going to be, uh, there's a great future for both of them in leadership. Well, and so I think in answer your time question. Time will tell. Time will tell. Yeah, time will tell. <laughs> Jury's still out. Jury's still out. But time will tell. But anyway, I think. Because that, that was what, 2008 or nine? Uh, that was 2010. Yes. 2010. Yeah, 2010. Okay. You know, we've had several good leaders come through, through our church and, We've had some that, you know, that moved on, those kind of things. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, always trying to equip the saints. I think you got to yeah. be doing that, not just in, you know, pastoral leadership roles, but yeah. in any capacity of leadership and all of your entities and organizations. you got to have good leadership, so you always got to be looking out for good leaders because yeah, yeah. they come and go. Yeah. You know, a lot of times you'll lose good leaders because somebody else is going to grab them. Right. And so you have to invest in train them and then of course that's up to the lord yeah, but anyway well i think you know the the one thing for me i know you said we're young but like we ain't as young as we used to be yeah. and uh, and even for us you know all being all being in our 30s i think no i'm 40 yeah you're 40 now okay yeah, I thanks for bringing that up sorry um <laughs> yeah. for Downhill all of us being there. in our, <laughs> in our, did it on purpose. In our right. mid to late 30s or 40 um or early forties, uh, <laughs> all of us. Yeah. <laughs> but but I mean, like there there's a there is a generation behind us now of adults. Right. You know what I mean? Like it's and so it, you know, we I can I can think of myself as a young leader, right. but I'm not. I, I I need to start. You know, and I need to continue you know, to. Invest. One other thing in answer to that question is you got to disciple people and mentor. And I think that's what happened. Whether whether it was intentionally uh, or just happened, you know, I was able to help mentor. Some in our church, yeah, yeah. and some of it was by you know, you know, purpose. But a lot of times you just you interact with people and and uh, hang out with them. You get to mentor them, yeah. and so I think that's the key. And I think that's what one reason God's blessing Lindsay Lane all all three churches is because you guys have have discipled people, you know. And and I think that's the key is mentor and disciple. You bring on interns. That's a, just things like that where you can. Give people an opportunity so you can see their potential and their qualifications uh, and those kind of things. But really, I think discipleship is a key. Uh, and all, all the leaders across the board is discipling good leaders. I was just saying, that, that leads to um, something I've always respected from your leadership here and, the, and the, a lot of the team and staff here was it's, it's always been very relational or relationship-driven. Like even our missionary partnerships, you know, over all those years usually started with someone's relational connection. Right. I even think with, the, you know, there's there, not all the time can you hi hire people based off of a relationship, 
But a lot of the moves you made in ministry over the years had to do with your personal relationship, yeah. and you, you you knew they had a resume, right. and and you knew that they could do the job. But there was also a level of trust there that they would they would uh, work hard for the Lord and for this church, and they they held your respect. And mm-hmm. um, I say we still work out of that. I, I know yeah. that's one of those things. I remember sitting around the table one time, and one of the points you made about when you hire people is, do you like them? Right. Our people you like. <laughs> do you like? Do, will you like being in a room with them? And that's important because yeah. if you grind every day beside each other, you know, I don't know if that's written in a book everywhere, but it's certainly the truth. Yeah. You, you need to make sure that you actually have a, a good standing relationship with that person and will as you right. move forward. You know, as you think about that, you know, you work with people in your church and every day, sometimes more than you're with family. And so you got to have people around you who you can trust. That is a big qualification and characteristics. People that you trust, that are trustworthy, and that people that you like. You like hanging out. You know, I vacate. You know, somebody has said one time, I heard a pastor say one time, you shouldn't develop relationships with too close, get too close to your staff. Oh, yeah. I said, you know, that's hogwash <laughs> to me. You know, I, I think you should be as close as you can because that element of trust and faith that you have in each other, it just goes a long way. Pays a lot of dividends, too, along, you know, when you run into a crisis or whatever. you got to have people that's got your back. you got to have people who you can trust to have faith in. And so I think that's, a, you know, the relation key is very much you know, you talk about trust, and I look back at myself. Of course, when as a 21 year old, I felt like I had all the answers for ministry, right? I mean, like you, you were not, not really, of trust. not really, but like, I, I, if you'd have asked me, I'd have said, "No, of course, I don't know all the answers." But I don't think I realized, looking back on 21 year old me, I was just yeah. like, "Man, you just, you just hang on, buddy," you know. And and so, what I, I think about that, you think about trust, is there is a risk reward for Mm -hmm. investing in young leadership. Um, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I dropped the ball on multiple occasions as a 21 year old, never this was my first full-time ministry position. Didn't know how uh, things would go. And so, you know, something that is universal in, in leadership is there is going to be a risk and reward to investing in young leaders and giving them the opportunity to succeed but with that's going to come some risk of mistake mm-hmm. as well. And so I, I've always been interested, you know, to, to pick your brain on that is that what is that what does that risk and reward look like? And how does it how does it flesh out? How do you trust a leader who, you know, very well is probably not going to do something to the level that you're going to do it yet. But how do you allow them that freedom to lead and that power empowering them to do that? Well, I think you see the the foundation that they that they bring to the table. You know, again, the, their character, who they are, how they handle themselves, how they make decisions. You know, even you know small decisions. It's how they do all of those things, and you and you mentor that, you watch that, and then you give them other things. You know, so you, you want them to succeed, and so you got to allow allow them to fail. You know, we're all making mistakes. And I think that's something that's maybe lacking is, is the grace element. You know, sometimes we have to, you know, be firm. You know, you made a mistake here. You know, here's what you should have done. But you, at least you tried. At least you made a decision. See, if somebody's very passive and they don't want to make any decision, you know, I, I don't know they're going to last. you got to have people who are not, aren't afraid to risk, and, and, and then the rewards will come. You know, Rick Warren says, God never wastes your past. And I think that's helped me a lot because I have a past, a checkered past in my testimony. But, you know, I was a compulsive gambler. But one thing that went along with that is God used that in my life because I'm not afraid to take a risk. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. know, one thing I mm-hmm. think vision for me is just, hey, let's do it. I believe God can do it. And I think a lot of times we were too tentative you know, and too passive about making decisions that we don't allow God to really show himself big. And I think that comes with risk, and there is reward, and there's also the other side of that coin. Sometimes you fail. and uh, But I think if you really pray through it and really use wisdom and discernment, then I think when you make or take a risk, whether it's in a young leader or whatever it may be, then, then you have to, you know, you have to really... Uh, 
dissect it, you know, and make sure you, that you've uh, done your homework and all that. And then let God have it and don't second guess yourself. And so, but I think the risk and reward is it comes with that. I think that you, if you're prayed through it and you really have confidence, you know, in the Lord and in that decision, you know, and you shouldn't make a decision until you do have confidence in it. And that that's the risk and reward because, you know, even where you're wrong, if you're totally believe that was the right decision, then you can go to bed at night just saying, hey, I made what I felt God told me. And then when I personally, when I did that, I don't worry about the naysayers. I really don't because I've always had them. Anytime you make a decision, you're going to have naysayers. And so when I made a decision, where there's a risk-reward type decision, if I made one and I knew I had confidence in that decision, I knew we needed that or I knew it was a God thing or whatever, and then I made it, I'd just say, all right, it's on me. I mean, and and God has a way of bringing that to reward, I'm telling you, if you do that, if, if it's a God decision. You know, you, you can make decisions based on your own ego and uh, all those kind of things too, and, and that that's the reward you're going to get <laughs> the other side of the coin. If it's if it's about you, or about power, or building an empire, whatever you want to do, then uh, then you're going to fail eventually. And so I, I think I think the risk and reward is in the fruition of those decisions that you make. So. What what goes into and this is one of the things I know we wanted to discuss today, but what making big decisions you know when you're when you're making decisions about because uh, the church work is people work right you have sometimes you have to make right. decisions that affect people in all kinds of different ways or or you're making decisions about what to do next and how to solve problems what practically throughout your personal history has gone into making those decisions whether big or small but i guess particularly the big decisions well of course the logical answer is prayer you know you got to get along with god you know, and that's what I tried to do, eventually learn that. Uh, you get alone with God to make those big decisions or small decisions. And then I think confidence really comes into play. you got to be confident in that decision, that you're making the right decision. Because, you know, a lot of decisions that we make affect a lot of people. Right. And so always weigh that out. What's this decision? What's the outcome of this decision? Who's it going to affect? And, and regardless of that, is it the right decision? So sometimes, you know, there's going to be people that's going to be casualties and all of those kind of things when you make those decisions. But is this a, is this a decision that, that God made? Is this a God decision? And then I think one thing where we fail a lot in making decisions is clarification. You, you've got to clarify the vision. You know, uh, Habakkuk talks about making the vision plain. And so when you have a vision or a big decision, whether it's with your wife or your children or with the church, you've got to make it clear. This is why we're making this decision, and this is, this is the reasoning behind it. And when people know that, they'll buy into it. But they've got to know, why are you making this decision? What's the purpose of it? And so you have to have all of those elements involved in making any type of decision, especially a big decision, because once you make it, it's out there. And so it's going to affect a lot of people. So I think when you're prayed up and you have confidence in that and you know who it's going to affect and you've made it clear to everyone, this is why we're making this and this is what we're doing. And I think that's that last one is where a lot of people miss it. They don't communicate that decision. And so people are left, what are we doing? What's the yeah. purpose of this? Blah, blah, blah. And so, uh, but... If you, you know, again, that comes with that confidence. You're able to share, hey, this is why we're doing this. Yeah. This is this, why this decision is being made. But I think right. it also speaks to, you know, I, I know I know for you for sure, uh, and, and I would say at least for Andy John and maybe – maybe Heath as well to a certain extent just as a leader, but I'm a big picture guy. And, and so mm -hmm. I am typically not – thinking details often, uh, and at least often enough. And, right. and so that clarity is huge. Someone said that if, if you're not, if people that aren't up on something are usually down on it. Mm -hmm. And so like, if, yeah. if, if I am doing my job as a leader, I've got, even if I'm not the details guy, getting details, people around me mm -hmm. to help figure out those details so that I can communicate with vision right. because that with clarity, because 
it can be vision all day long, but if it's if it stays in my head and you know isn't fleshed out in the church, well, it's never gonna gonna come to fruition. And so that's what I think is so cool that I've seen from this staff is uh, over the years is the multitude of personalities right. that are here. I mean, I mean, one thing that you established here is a staff that was for each other, but also they were not the same people and they were very, very diverse. And I don't know that I ever really saw that in a church staff before coming here Uh, and, and getting what everybody, so you get around your leaders, you develop that, that, that vision as much as you can. And then you present it with clarity. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm, I'm dealing with an issue right now where, where I just didn't communicate with enough clarity. People are good with it. Right. Once they get the details, once they understand where we're going exactly. but yeah. Well, uh, you know, staff infection starts with staff selection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you got to surround yourself with good people. That, that's a very good point because, you know, uh, I know my gifts. I know what God's gifted me to do, and I know wh- what I'm not gifted to do. Yeah. And so I try to surround myself with people who are gifted in areas where I'm not, and that is a very important part of, of being a leader, but also making decisions, you know, and, and I can call names right now of people that helped me along the way. And one of the things, you know, God gives us a staff for a reason, you know, to help us, right? We can't do it all. Moses, you know, had to have staff. And so we have staff for a reason. So if you don't use those staff, then shame on you. And so you got to recognize each staff's potential and each staff's gift. You know, one of the greatest things that I think that, that I did here is I had Dr. Larry Little come in and he did a, he did a, an assessment, uh, on every individual, on every staff, uh, like a monkey or lion or whatever, you know, those personality traits. And I'm telling you, he hit every one of us right in. I'm, I, I couldn't believe it. I, I knew what, you know, I knew me and he hit me, but so, <laughs> I'll never forget. I won't call the name, but it was a turtle, whatever that was back then. And I'm telling you, he did. And of course, he interviewed all of them individually, and then he then he came to me and told me the interviews that went on and what their gifts were and all that. And that, by the way, that's a good thing you ought to do because that that helped me personally to know my staff. And I had a, you know I knew them pretty well because I've been with them a long time. But it really helped all of us because they got to they got to evaluate me. See, he he talked to them individually so they could evaluate me too. So he got a good handle on who I was in my leadership. But those things, you know, Alan, you, in answer your question, every person's got different gifts, and that's what the Bible teaches. We got a diversity of gifts, you know, and God gifts us, and so to know those gifts and bring them all to the table. And one of the things I tried to do, when I had a big decision, I tried to bounce it off my staff. And I would tell them, I'm going to bounce this off of you. But I knew at the end of the day, I had to make the call. I mean, and I didn't want them to make the call. I wanted them to help me make the call because I got to make the call because I got to answer before the church mm-hmm. as the as senior pastor, a lead pastor. So anyway, uh, but all of those guys were very transparent and very honest. And that's what I thought, you know, what do you think? And so I hear, I listen. I learned that. I learned yeah. to listen. <laughs> Were there ever well, any times when, when you, you had something on your heart or a direction that you felt very strongly about going where you didn't get that confirmation and you were maybe, maybe you balked because you didn't get that support or where you pushed through because you knew this is what we need to do? Yeah. Uh, one of the times was when we built the first building. It was in 1990. Three, or, yeah, ninety-three. We were we were growing, you know, and we needed a educational building, and so I had two deacons that come to me. One of them was an accountant, and the other was an engineer, and they said, "Pastor, we cannot do this. What you're what you're proposing to the church is ludicrous. We just can't do it." The accountant said this. I put a pencil to it. There is no way financially. And the other guy said, it's just, we just can't do it right now. We don't have the people or the money. And I said, well, you tell me then where we're going to put these people. And we just had a very, and it wasn't defensive or anything like that because these were my friends. Again, I built relationships. These were two of my best friends. But they were honest. And so I told them, I said, all right, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to wait. We're not, I'm, I was 
ready to go before the church and all that. And they said, so I said, no, we're going to wait. Because these two were very honest, and they had, to, they had a good handle on things as well. And so we did. We waited for three months. We didn't do anything. And people were putting them in closets. I mean, everywhere. <laughs> it was unbelievable. And then they came to me. And they said, well, you may be right. Because <laughs> people start complaining, right. you know. And I said, you know, we got to do something. And so I, I knew it. I felt like, well, I know we need to do this. But I listened to those guys because they were honest and sincere. And, and we, in, in three months, they came back. You know, not that they just said, hey, it's okay. They said, you know, you may be right. And I said, I, I think I am. And so anyway, we built a building. And both of them individually came back and apologized, which they didn't need to do that, but they just said, you know, we were wrong. And, and I, I tried to, you know, try to converse my my heart and feelings that you can't put God to pencil. Right. There's no way. You're right. On a pencil, we can't, we can't afford it. We can't really do this, but I know we need it. And God's committed and tells us he's going to give us what we need. And I, I, I know we need it. And so we did it. And, and then on, it was like people trusted the decisions. In the next building, the next sanctuary, the next, you know, the family life center, the, you know, the children's wing, all those things. There was, you know, as bigger the building, the more opposition. But people knew the pastor's heart. They knew the leadership's heart. And they trusted us. And it was easy, easier to make decisions after that um, because that's right. of that. That's what happens when you, when you make those decisions with clarity, with confidence. You have the support. Then then there's that conversation of leadership change in your pocket. How, how much change do you have to mm-hmm. to spend at a later date? We we've we've gone this far, and that I, just to stop and say, I, I think that's super important to. You know, if, if the person that's listening to this is in ministry or not, maybe they're in education, business, or whatever it is, uh, when when you make big decisions, there's a lot that goes into it. And I don't think any leader worth his salt in a position of influence is going to flippantly just say, let's do this. You know, there's a lot of research and communication. Yeah. And um, I remember asking that question years ago, and you said one of the first things you do is you get all the information you can. Mm-hmm. You know, well, that takes a lot of legwork to get all yeah. the information involved, and and that's that's seeking God's wisdom and mm-hmm. knowledge from other people. Uh, but there's a lot that goes into big decisions, and um, I, I don't know. I, I think sometimes people just think, well, they've just hauled off and called it. <laughs> but uh, you know, there if you're doing it right, then uh, there's the spiritual part of it, which. Uh, praying is a given, and it's a given for a reason. Yeah. yeah. But then, but it's also the legwork of of having those conversations and trying to do what's best. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think what Alan said earlier is so true. You know, you got to see the big picture, and I think that's why you know you're the leader. You've got to see the big picture before everybody else sees it, because you got to know where you're going. You got to lead them to where you're going. They don't know where we're going. They just hear what you say in the pulpit or in the committee. But you already know where you're going, and you know why you want to build that or lead that way or whatever it is. It's the same thing in, in the family with your kids or wife. You know, you're going to build a house or you're going to buy a new car. You know, you just don't go, we're going to buy a new car. You got to, you, hey, can, you know, you sit down with your wife. and You know, if you're going to build a new house or something, you sit down with the family and say, hey, we're going to do this and let them see the big picture. But I think as a church... Uh, there are so many people out there that that are, you know, follow the leader, and sometimes we take that for granted, which you should never do that. Uh, but people out there willing to follow the leader as long as they know where the leader's going and why we're going, they'll they'll buy into that. And then I respect those things enough to give the information, research it, make it clear and plain to the people. And then say, hey, this is why we're doing this. We believe God's leading in this area. Because I owe it to them. Because there's the ones that's actually, if you will, uh, buying into the church or whatever you want to however you want to call it. Not just financially, but with their heart, with their service, all of those things. And so we owe it to them to do the homework, to be clear and and to to be honest. You know, I I was in a situation in a certain in a church 
years ago where I thought some decisions were made uh, that were manipulating. And uh, it was like, we're not going to tell them this. Because if they, we tell them this, man, they liable to balk on us. We're going to do this and do that. And I learned from that because I saw that. And I saw it as very manipulative and the people were confused. And so one thing that I tried to be here, and you guys know that, is transparent. You know, just be transparent who I am and what I am. And uh, and if you do that, then, again, people will follow when they know why and when and all yeah. that. And I think a big part is, like, even so from, from – I'll, I'll go both sides of this. For one thing, like you said – when you're in that leader, in the leadership uh, responsibility, you're seeing th- you're seeing the organization in a particular way, uh, maybe in a way that other people in the organization aren't seeing it, right. right? And so you're seeing that with that vision, and and so that's why it's so much greater need for clarity, because you're, you know, I always think every decision we're making at Lindsay Lane East, we've talked, I've I've processed it for a month by myself. Mm-hmm. And then we've talked about it as a staff for anywhere from one month to 12, you know, depending on how serious the, the discussion is. And then we bring it to our people and it may be the first time they're hearing of it and we're pulling a trigger on something, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? To them, it goes, whoa, 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 whoa. Exactly. But they're not seeing it. They're not, they're not seeing the organization from the way we are. But I also say like that, or like the two guys that came in and talked to you, even though that maybe they were wrong, but still, they also see the organization from a way we can't. That's right. And that's why I think, that's why I respect about what you just said is it is good to gather as much information as you can mm-hmm. and ask people at different yeah. levels and different places to figure out because you don't want to go, hey, let's get behind this and everybody right. tell you, <laughs> no, man, I don't think that's right. Yeah. You know, that's also why relationships are, relationships are yeah, important right. too because that's right. you can't ask a thousand people what they think. That's right. <laughs> yeah. you know, that, that, I mean, you, you can't, I mean, yeah, but you, can. you get into a lot of... Get in a lot of different things there. Can hardly ask ten or twenty. <laughs> right. yeah. it's even We've been in those tracks. Yes. Right. But let me say something to what you just yeah. said because that this is very important because again it's like a you know it's like a puzzle has so many pieces right and so you're you put the puzzle together you've got the big picture but you you've assimilated all of those pieces during those months you yeah, know with yeah. you and your staff and all yeah, that yeah. but the all the all the uh, church member sees that puzzle. How, you know, what does this mean? And so one thing that I, I remember saying this to Andy John is one thing I think you have to do is you know where you're going, right? But you've got to lead your people along along the way. Yeah. And what I try to do, I never drop the whole puzzle on them. I got you. But along the way, I would drop hints, if you want to call it yeah, that, yeah. or information. Hey, y'all be praying about this because, you know, Hey, we're about out of room, and yeah, you know, yeah. we're going to be needing a building soon. I already saw that building. Yeah. I already knew we were probably going to go there, but I tried to bring them along because if you just throw it on them at one yeah. time, they're just—I mean—they're just stunned. Yeah. So if they if they hear you saying something along the way, oh yeah, I remember he said something about that last week or last month. He did mention that. Yeah, so yeah. they've already got ear to it. Yeah. And see, so it's not going to be such a shock when you say, hey, man, this what's it going to cost? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so this is where we're going. So I think leading them, that's, again, leading people to the big picture. Yeah. yeah. You know, like you was talking about, you and your staff had already yeah. been through it, and, you know, you, you, you've you been mulling over this yeah. for months. Steeped in it, But man. they just heard it for the first time. Yeah. So they have to have time to dissect it as well. But yeah. if you've led them along the way and dropped – uh, you know, just drop pieces of the puzzle the way I would phrase it. You know, then when the puzzle gets together, they've seen pieces along the way. Yeah. yeah. One of the best I, ways to do that, in, in my opinion, and the young tenure we have is through other leaders. That's like mm-hmm. you talked about building relationships. If, if we disseminate that information through other invested leaders, whether those be on staff or volunteer, deacon, or just key people in your church, if, if they know it, then the conversations they have, they'll pass on That's right. the, yeah. the accurate information. Yeah. Um, and I, I've, I've seen and, and heard where a lot of leaders spend a lot of time with other leaders yeah, in their yeah. organization so that that happens, so that there's not just this buy-in, but you know, all, the, all those thousand people, while you can't ask what they think, they are important. Mm-hmm. And there's 
different people in the congregation that represent that large number of people right. that if we'll communicate to them along the way, mm-hmm. then the word gets along. Yeah. Every voice can't be equal. I mean, it just can't be. You know, sometimes you, you do have to consider the source. You know, I think somebody said one time there's something like there's going to be 10% of the people that they will agree with every single decision you make. Yeah. There will be 10% of the people that will disagree with every decision That's you right. make. And, and so you've got to figure out you know, these people that are, you, you don't want to surround yourself with yes men because then you live in this idealistic, right. head-in-the-sand, mm-hmm. utopian organization that that's the worst thing you can do is desensitize yourself to real issues that are happening as a leader. But but also knowing, you know, what, what you said is so true because another word for trust is faith. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so do I have faith in the Holy Spirit in this person to accomplish the tasks that they've been given? And do I, do I hear it from them differently than I hear it from someone who's just another, a, a voice in the crowd? There's got to be those people and we've got to be strategic about that because as a leader, you will drive yourself bonkers listening to every voice. Mm-hmm. Like you just will. And, and, and ultimately, we know where our cues come from. We come from the Lord. But those things are sharpened by a group of people that we, that we trust and we love um, that we can run those things by. So I think there's a whole lot of wisdom uh, in that. Yeah. And I think, I mean, even and, uh, we, it's four pastors sitting around a table. So this has been church heavy today. Mm-hmm. But like the principles are, are there, and yeah. if you're if you're serving in the in the workplace, man, just know uh, you, you know uh, you're going to have changes of policies, you're going to have changes of procedures in your organization. Just make sure uh, that you're having those conversations with the right leaders to get their feedback, get their input before you make big decisions, and uh, at least for the fact that they're on board with you when it comes time to pull the trigger, so that whenever you pull it, everybody's already standing behind you and nobody gets shot. And I, th- I think that the... I didn't know where that analogy was going, sorry. <laughs> it was a little violent. <clears throat> well, Brother Dusty, we have learned... I know I learned that from you personally. I, You know, b- before ministry, and as you grow in ministry, you have more responsibility. Um, making decisions is hard. It is not an easy thing. It's not for the faint of heart uh, because it affects people and it affects kingdom of God dollars and... Right. All of it matters, and um, it, but it, but somebody has to make that decision. Our, our church is governed differently than than others are governed, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, people have to make decisions, and um, you know we're accountable to to people. We're also accountable to the Lord. Yeah, you know he, he first is, and foremost, exactly right. He he is um, in any context and whatever leadership capacity you're in, that, you're yes, responsible. That's absolutely right, and a lot goes into it, and I think. For us, it's important to to hear from you, and as we continue to study and listen to other people about how they make decisions, because um, it, it's all, you have to make those decisions as a leader, and you're accountable to the Lord. And I would also add this one: uh, it's also hard making decisions. A lot of times, it is. is difficult. Very it's difficult. it's not easy, and uh, a lot goes a lot goes into it because of that. Yeah. You know, it's it's scary at times. You know, there's decisions that you know you need to make for the church to continue to grow and, you know, be successful and all of that. But sometimes it's scary because, you you know, I, I always use the analogy, you know, sometimes in presenting vision is getting out on a limb, you know, because that's where the fruit is. But if you've ever been in a tree and climbed a tree like I did when I was young, you get out on those limbs, this gets scary when you get away from the trunk, right? Because you can hold on to that trunk. You get on that limb, there's nothing really to hold on to. But that's where all the fruit is, it's out on those lands. And so to get out there, it's scary. And so, again, that's where you have to really know it's the Lord and he's got to have confidence in that decision. Because if you're already nervous about it and you're kind of scared about it, it let's be honest, you are. And, and so when you make that and you don't have confidence in it and you're kind of second-guessing yourself, you're going to look like an idiot when you get up there to present <laughs> something. You just right. are. right. But if you're up there and you, hey, I, you know, again, if somebody doesn't like it, then, hey, you take it up with God. I've been with God. This is what I believe we're going to be doing. And, you know, I'm having to make the call. Right. And so, uh, again, I don't take for granted either that, but uh, yeah. I listen to those people that are right. naysayers. I really do sure. uh, because they have a voice. But, again, I, I think it all goes back to, like you said, gaining information, 
a lot of things that I tried to do is find pastors and churches that were already doing where I wanted to go and go talk with them. You know, what did y'all do about this, and how did you make this call, and, you know, all of that. And so that helped me a lot to see how other people were doing it and not reinventing the wheel. Yeah. But some things you can't do that, but a lot of times you can. And, you know, just like we have mentors, we have church mentors as well at times. Like Woodstock's been a great mentor for our church during my tenure here. And so uh, because I knew it wasn't we want to be a Woodstock, it's just they did some things right, you know. And so, you, you know, you be around people and develop relationships with them, and so you trust them and what they're doing. You know, and then at the end of the day, it's got to be you and God and you and your church and your people. Let me, this is a random, real random question. Random. Um, I'm going to include this in the podcast or not, I guess, but uh, anonymous letters. And I've not received one of these lately. So I've oh, not received man. an anonymous letter. You didn't get mine last week? You week-end? haven't I've received heard, one yet. Well, I don't know if I have. I may have, I may have received one. I'm just saying lately. So, like, I have no one in mind. Uh, you know yeah. what I mean? But I, I have uh, had this conversation with someone recently. And I've heard two pastors say two different things. One one pastor was like, any any anonymous letter I get, I just throw it tr- straight to the trash can because, um, you know, like they don't want if they won't put their name on it, then, yeah. then I'm not going to hear it, right? And then I've also heard another pastor was like, no, I'll I'll read it, and if there's some way that I figure out who it is, I'll respond. So what what do y'all what do y'all thoughts on anonymous? anonymous <laughs> He's a better letters? man than I am. He don't read it. <laughs> yeah, I right. don't read it. Yeah, you know, no. not, I just. Again, you, sometimes you don't know that it's anonymous. To you, there's no signature and all that yeah. because, it, you know, to the pastor, right, kind right. of thing. And then you open it up, and then you find out it is anonymous. But uh, yeah, I've had I've had a few of those, and uh, it, it's it's uh, again you have to really be prayed through that because sometimes it hurts, you know, to hear the truth sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, somebody's is complaining, and again, if they don't want to sign it, then you can't do nothing about it. Yeah. So yeah. just tell them how. I, mean, I would, I would say, I mean, it depends on your personality. I mean, if you can handle it, I mean, it's probably not a bad read just to see, you know, because it's somebody in your church, hopefully, right. maybe from the community, but somebody in your church that's having those feelings. Yeah, they're being goofy by not putting their name on it, but, yeah. uh, but I think, I, I think it's probably it probably could be good to read it. But if you can't handle it, then chunk the sucker. Um, yeah. yeah, truth. But truth is the truth regardless of where it comes from. And so, you know, there's there's other reasons for giving an anonymous letter. I know we, I know we are quick to to pull the oh yeah this guy's here here come here yeah. it comes. But there's other reasons why it's anonymous. You know, yeah. um, so. I, I don't know that I I don't know that my sheer curiosity would not I don't know that there's there may not be any spirit in that whatsoever. I, I, I love the idea of throwing it away. No way I could. Yeah, sounds great. Yeah, but, sounds great. That's right. No, yeah, I guess it could all, it could also be helpful. Like you said, there's probably reasons why somebody would want to maintain anonymity, but um, it, receiving criticism also comes with the territory whether that be anonymous or straightforward it's always better if it's straightforward and you get some i've gotten some two three with you know outside the church right. just from some yahoo in our community or something yeah. you know oh yeah if it's got that kind of stuff you know yeah. especially you know we're going through all that detail with city hall and all that you get a couple of letters i had one y'all don't know this i got one last week uh that was from somebody from a different state it had all of our names on it. I mean, Brother Dusty's name on it too. Yeah. And it was like a, it was like documents of just nonsense. It had nothing to do with our church. Had nothing <laughs> to do with anything. It was like a political, you know. But again, it had all of our names on it. And then it sort of turned into uh, why China's this great enemy. And I'm like, what is happening? You know what I mean? So yeah. I, Needless to say, I did not forward that on to y'all. I just wanted to make the executive decision <laughs> to throw it in the trash can beside yeah, me. Yeah. So you can throw those away for sure. Yeah. Well, hey, we like to end the podcast, Pastor Dusty, by asking uh, some rapid fire questions. Sure. And so Andy John uh, has taken painstaking, uh, t- painstakingly put these together. I'm sure um, hours upon hours of research. And That's so, right. um, so let's let's hear it, buddy. Easiest part of the day. Uh, first one's very important: uh, sweet tarts or beef jerky. <laughs> Beef jerky. <laughs> All right, so context. Heath's favorite candy 
No. Snack food <laughs> in on. general. No. It, it might be his be favorite food. Hold on. Never did I say sweet tarts was my favorite candy. I simply said they're good. You guys ran with that sucker. That's all I need. That's all we need. That's all, that's all the information we need. You know what's going to be in your stocking this Christmas. Gosh. Uh, favorite movie. Favorite movie. I would say one of my favorite movies is uh, Pollyanna. Pollyanna. I can't even comment on that. That's a Disney movie. Okay. We named Haley uh, after Haley Mills starred in it. So we named really? Haley after her. Got it. It's a good Disney movie. It's an older one. So check it out. What was your first job? First job, my first paying job was baling hay. You know, during school, when I in the summer, I did that. But I worked Helena Chemical Company. It was my first kind of job job. I hired. I made a dollar and forty five cents an hour. Good gracious! It's not it's not hauling <laughs> hay that bothers. It's the storing hay, putting yeah. it in the barn. Man, oh, that is it's so hot and well, I made musty the, in there. I made the mistake of doing that hauling hay with short sleeves, and oh, then I realized yeah, everybody <laughs> wore long sleeves and they did that. And I looked down and had, my arms were scratched. I got them. hung in a conveyor. They they had a Dub Downs, Chisholm and Clutton Downs. They had a uh, conveyor, you know, that put the hay up in the in the loft. And so I watched Cleland one day. He, he rode, got on the bale of hay, and just laid on it and rode it up in the loft. We went to another barn. That's pretty cool. I'm going to try that. Well, I get on the bale of hay. It's pretty good ways up there. On that conveyor, get almost to the top, and I'm realizing there's a beam there between me and that bale of hay, and I'm not going to make it. No, oh my word. I could, it was too high to jump off, so I lowered my head, and the beam caught me right there. And it was, it was, you know, it was powered by Universal on the tractor. That bet was going, he was just throwing me up in. I was screaming, man. God. <laughs> so was, I scared you. I had to go home. <laughs> uh, favorite childhood TV show? Uh, I guess Bonanza. Bonanza. Uh, do you have a nickname? Uh, Dusty's a nickname, actually. Right, so Oliver Dale. Right. right. Do, you, do you have a nickname that that... No one <laughs> knows about her. You'd like to share on this podcast, I other than Dusty. I would not. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's a great answer. My wife has one. Yeah, but uh, some people call me Dust. Sonny used to call me Dust. Yeah, That's right. He did. Some people call me Dust. Yeah. But I've been called a lot of stuff. <laughs> uh, favorite local restaurant? Oh man. Uh, I would say <laughs> I got a bunch. I'll say Outback. Outback? Mm-hmm. We always ask this question to you. Are you pro-dubs or not? <laughs> pro-dubs. Yeah, of course you are. I was raised on dubs. Every That's Thursday right. night, my mom brought dubs burgers home. That's right. The worst. Did you, what what about, um, uh, goodness, y'all, um, Pinburger and Decatur. No. Same thing. It's the exact same thing. <laughs> What's the ice cream? And I was just cream delight. Cream delight. Yeah, what about cream delight? Oh yeah. Oh, cream, I like delight, cream delight. delight. Get behind cream delight. Yeah. yeah. Cream delight in the summer still got a line of folks. That's the sure same does. folks. It is it's the same, same folks. folks. So I'm not you know so that. I'm not yeah, I'm not rallying against yeah. a brand. He's just, here. he's just not grabbing a burger. Uh favorite, you've you've been on a lot of mission trips. You, you traveled a great deal. Uh favorite place to visit. The most beautiful place I've ever been to is Cape Town, Africa. Wow. I mean, it was gorgeous. Um, but Argentina was pretty neat. I like, you know, Argentina. And, uh, but, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, Vic Falls, you've been there. Right. That was good. But I, I think overall Cape Town was the most beautiful place I've ever been. What's, the, what's your lowest uh, round ever, golf? 69. 69. Shot my age one time. That's tough, guys. Wow. Yep. We're look look at a solid 104 right here. <laughs> where, where, where was that? What course was that? That was a Point Mallard. Point Mallard. Yeah. Mallard. Also, oh, I, I shot it at uh, uh, Canebrake in match play. Yeah. Wow. And he has had a hole in one. I know that for a fact. Yeah, has one. Just one. Mm. Was it at Canebrake? No. It was Deer Run. Fantasia 
Dude, Fantasia, the big, the big gorilla, like me. That was one of mine and Kelly's date spots early on. It was already in pretty rough shape then too. No kidding. Um, the big, uh, big giraffe. Um, Putting underneath the waterfall. Yeah, man. Cave. We were talking about Fantasia, I guess a month or so ago, because our kids were talking about spring break. Where do you want to go? Fall break, spring break. Yeah. And when they were twelve and nine now, when they were even smaller. Brittany and I on like a spring break trip or something like that. All we did was we went one day to like Fantasia. Fantasia. You know, we didn't have like two dollars to rub together. <laughs> right. And we'd go to, and they were like, "That's where y'all took us to, on spring break was Fantasia." And they're like, "Where is that?" I'm like, "Well, it's not even there anymore." So <laughs> I don't think it is. Shut no. Yeah. I got in trouble one time at Fantasia. Um, you I, got on an animal. No, I. Everyone gets on the animals. So my friends were. I didn't have enough money to play eighteen holes. I only had I could only play nine, so I just putted that last putt and just caught the ball oh, before it goes down. Before it went down in the tube and <laughs> kept kept playing. Oh my, my! I got my parents. I got I got convicted about it, and my parents. I told them, and they made me go in and tell them. Of course, the people were they were, but yeah. Did they take your picture and put it up on the wall? No. Like, don't let, don't allow this no. guy to come back. <laughs> no. So I guess it wasn't. It was it was the first time I really remember like true like serious conviction. Like I had. Stolen nine holes of golf at Fantasia. <laughs> <laughs> I, had, I had one more question, but I don't know. Uh, what's the What's the most boring thing ever? <laughs> this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Hanging out with you three yahoos. That's pretty boring. <laughs> uh, boring thing ever. Fishing when they're not biting. There yeah, you that's go. good. What do y'all have? A, you have an answer to that one? Most boring thing ever? I can't. I mean, like, there's been some classes I've sat through yeah. or struggled through those in school, college. Uh, yeah, a very detailed PowerPoint when all you do is tell me what's on the slide in class. That's my favorite. You know what I mean? Syllabus. Word for word. First you could have just emailed me the PowerPoint. <laughs> first day of point. school, syllabus. Oh, Everybody's yeah. reading the, uh, the syllabus, syllabus, and yeah, I hated the first day of school. Yeah, yeah that's right. One, one time, uh, speaking of golf, I, when I was an intern for the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, they had us watch a par three to see if anybody made a hole in one. And I didn't get to play. I had to sit at the same par three at Point Mallard huh. an entire day as people just kept coming through there. And I'm literally just watching people play golf in front of me for five hours i didn't move and i had to do that i guess because of if there's a hold in one it had to be verified yeah, or whatever yeah, and yeah. they're like this is how you're gonna serve the lord today <laughs> i'm like oh wow it was probably the most one of the most boring days Jeez, oh yeah sounds like it. that's all i got man. yeah that's it <laughs> well pastor dusty we appreciate you coming in man and hanging out with us it's always a, a pleasure to get to see you and and talk with you and and uh, we pray that uh, the fish keep biting. That's right. And the golf game stays good, and right. uh, and that we you continue to hang around so we can we can ping questions off of you. And uh, I know the three of us around this table appreciate you and your ministry here, and uh, we look up to you a lot as a man of faith. Let me say I'm going to say this to you three. You know, one thing that I've noticed since I've retired, looking in, you know, you see a lot more looking in than you do looking out. Believe me. Uh, so. But, you know, one thing you guys are doing that I think is pretty neat that I don't think enough churches do, and I don't think we did when I was here enough, is you're making church fun. And, you know, church is very serious. Preaching is dead serious. You know that. But, you know, this is a big part of people's lives. And if it's boring, it's not going to come. And so I think you have an element that you have to have of, of, of likeness. And you, you you do that. I've noticed that, you know, and, and I enjoy it. And I think the people do because, you know, you want to have some fun, you know, we, you know at church. Right. You want to laugh. You want to, you know, meet people and all that. But you do things, the videos you do together uh, and just some of the things you're doing. And, yeah. you know, it's just you make church fun. And I, I appreciate that about y'all. I think that's the neat thing that you have, uh, that you have collectively being able to, to, to come together as, as one, three of y'all get together and do things, yeah. you know, that's pretty neat. 
But it is. So I, from a member's perspective, uh, it's fun. I like coming to church and being a part of it. And I'll, I'll say this to Brother Dusty and his family, they are good church members. No, yeah. I mean, like, he, I know he's been the pastor for a long time, but it, the role has changed, but he, yeah. he's here, he serves, yeah. and all that. And also, I would also make sure that we need to get that recorded so that when we have opposition, <laughs> people that would be like, why are y'all doing this? We'd be like, because Brother Dusty said it was fun. Yeah, yeah. Brother Dusty gave us approval. You know, it's, it's important that you said it, too, because, like, we – we also know the importance of reverence. Right. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's right. And, and that's if we we strike a balance between both of those. But I do want church to be a place where our children enjoy it, love it. Yeah, you know, that's and right. Love being around the people. Yeah. and uh, But also, you know, we need to teach both sides of that, that there's yeah. there's a, you know, a definite need for reverence before the Lord. Uh, but also to enjoy the goodwill of all the folks that yeah, you're yeah. around. Well, Brother Dusty, again, man, thank you for coming in. And, uh, man, it's been an absolute joy of fun, fun, fun. We've had to edit some stuff out that got really fun, and we appreciate you uh, sharing <laughs> stories with us. And, and uh, man, we just, we absolutely, uh, we do look up to you, and we appreciate uh, the investment that you made not only um, in the kingdom of God but in the three of us. And so uh, we just, I know for myself, um, I, I, w- I want to be able to look and, and at the end of my life, not the end of my life. Wow. <laughs> wow. By the time I'm ready to retire. Uh, that's, I where feud, that's where the funeral home music comes in. <laughs> 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 Wouldn't they lay me down? Yeah. <laughs> Andy John, lay us in Beulah Land. Oh, my Lord. Uh, I want to be able to We're so back. glad we got to talk to you today because yeah. I mean. <laughs> of retirement um, and be able to and be able to see guys in ministry that I've invested in and guys in the in the workplace but I've made a mess of this well I'm very honored I want you to know that yeah. thank you guys for what you're doing this is a great idea too yeah. for, not only for pastors and church people but for you know people out there and you know any laity yeah. organization so thank y'all yeah. yeah absolutely well until next time keep leading <laughs>